0: In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business.
1: I'm the real Jason Duncan and welcome to the Root of All Success. If you're watching this, you see that we're sitting here in the Matador Room at the Standard at the Smith House in downtown Nashville, smoking cigars, drinking a little bourbon today. My guest you'll meet is also enjoying a cigar and suburban. And uh, the Standard is an amazing place. It's 18,000 square feet of Southern sophistication and style right here in the heart of downtown Nashville, one of the oldest, what is the oldest, still standing antebellum home here in downtown owned and operated by the one and only Joshua Sterling Smith. I'm honored to be a member here and an honored to be able to record these podcasts here. My guest is also a member here, and you're going to get to meet him and hear all about his story. And that's how we kind of became uh, known to one another. I don't really know him that well. We haven't really hung out a lot, but today we get to dive in and find out the man behind the mystery so we're going to talk a little bit about him in a minute but before we get into that i want to talk about the fact that this podcast is produced by pod and it is syndicated by the c-suite radio network so the c-suite radio network is the top world's leading platform for business leaders and executives so I'm honored to be syndicated on their network, and thank you for supporting by listening. You can listen to this podcast on all podcast players, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Anything you want to listen to it on. I am a Stitcher guy; I listen to all my podcasts on Stitcher. But you can listen to it on any of those. But if you have YouTube, which everybody has it, right? We have we have the internet; most people have it. But you can go to youtube.com/c for channel slash the real Jason Duncan. Go to youtube.com/c/slash the real Jason Duncan, and you can see us sitting here talking and uh, the beauty of the room here at the Standard of the Smith House. So thank you for tuning in. If you haven't left a review of the podcast, I really appreciate you going and leaving us a five-star review and telling us how great it is. And if you want to ask any questions, please send a question to me through therealjasonduncan.com. Now, before we get into that, I want to talk uh, the episode today, I want to talk about our sponsor. And I want to start by asking a question. If you're a sales leader or you're owner of an organization, you're probably very, very dissatisfied with your CRM. Because most CRMs are way overcomplicated. There's too many bells and whistles. You're paying a lot of money and you still have to print reports and you still have to go through those reports. Well, not anymore. I want you to go look up nurture360.com. That's N E R C H E R three six zero com. Go to nurture three sixty com slash root for a special offer. But here's what here's why Nurture is so important. So Nurture actually gives you all of the data right there on a, on a dashboard. You don't have to go digging for it. You can manage your sales pipeline all the way from prospecting to first meeting, all the way to your pitches, all the way to close. And you can even see the percentages of closing between all those stages. So when we met the team at Nurture and brought them in onto my companies, we were amazed. You don't have to print reports. It's All right there. And they've even got a project management portal that you can put on there to manage projects through the process too. All for much, much less than the big dogs out there in the CRM world. So go to nurture360.com slash root for a special offer. That's N-E-R-C-H-E-R 360.com slash root. Now on with the show. So here at the Root of All Success podcast, uh, we have a pretty good onboarding system where we onboard guests. And we give them data, hey, these are the data points, talking points, here's the data we need from you, and and that system works. And now we get more information from some guests than others, but today's guest is one of those where I didn't get as much information as I typically like to get. But he's a very intriguing guy, and I've been aware of him, as I said earlier in the intro, you know, we're, we're both members here at The Standard in Nashville, but uh, it's like the, the mystery and the legend. <laughs> and so I was anxious to get him on the podcast when somebody said, hey, we know I know what you're doing on the podcast. There's a guy you should interview. Very interesting, intriguing, got a great backstory, very successful. This is, the, this is the typical guy that you want on the podcast. So I said, okay. So I invited him on, but I didn't have a lot of information. Now, here's the only thing I do know is that he uh, did find some success in, uh, in, in business in his college years, he even went and signed with a band by Sony. Now, that's pretty cool. I haven't had any guests on the podcast that actually were signed by a major record label. But he had a band as a musician signed by Sony. But he became, he became aware that he really wanted more in life, that the band thing kind of wasn't his deal. Only 11 years after the starting, was able to retire at the age of 38. So this is going to be a very interesting story from a super successful guy. And I want to welcome to the root of all success, Mr. Rod Lunn, the mysterious but intriguing Rod Lunn. Thank you for being here, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. (laughs) So we've got a lot to cover because there's not a lot that I know yet. (laughs) So you fly under the radar a lot, right? That's, uh, That's kind of your MO is you just kind of stay under the radar. I do. I, it used to be for security reasons, with obviously
2: with my line of work. And I, I think that, that it just kind of, you get used to not living in the shadows. That's always a bad term because people think you're doing something wrong. But it's, it's something where you just get used to living a very simple um, lifestyle where you don't exactly draw attention to what you do and exactly who you
1: are. And isn't that quite the opposite of what... The, the the normal entrepreneur kind of culture is today is like everybody's on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and they all wanna be out there in front of everybody. Look how great my life is. And you're like, I haven't been on a laptop in ten years. <laughs> <laughs> well that's actually true. I'm I'm
2: a guy that I, I don't spend much time on a computer. I'm a creator. Uh, I, I like to have conversations, do deals, you know, whether it's over a whiskey and cigar or you know, just you know catching lunch and actually having some kind of personal touch in in uh, not only in the conversation but in the business you know so uh, but with that said uh, you know i uh going back to to living underneath the radar you, you know you're right I, I didn't have a life where i could enjoy you know the some of the success you know I, I love cars and other things but you know you can't really pull up in a ferrari it draws attention to yourself so you know, you settle for other options and you live your life, you know, not nice, quiet, peaceful. But uh, yeah, that, that is that is a give and take with it. But with that said, it, it also taught me, because I wasn't into doing that, I wasn't the Instagram uh, everyday post master. Um, I think it also gave me a, a better understanding of where I wanted to be and, and who I was in life. And also, I didn't need that. Uh, I was able to have a closer group of friends that... Uh, I was able to really share things on a on a deeper level than most people are because, again, that was my only
1: r- resource to the outside world, and you know the way that that I lived at the time. So, wow. So, uh, yeah. I, I so far, you know, the podcast is only, you know, it's still new, uh, b- but I haven't interviewed anybody who's like, yeah, I, uh, I don't, I don't use a computer, <laughs> 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 which is pretty amazing in this day and age. But you. You know, that, that's one of the things that I've learned about successful people is that they don't fit the mold. Like, you think it's going to be this way, and it's another. And once one, one person told me this a while back. He said his observation of super successful people is that they have time and that, that, that that's the thing that he noticed. And once he told me that, I was like, okay, I'm going to start paying attention. And that's what I'm finding, man. And it's like people like you who have been super successful – you know, you sold the business, retired at 38. I mean, who can say that? And now you've got time to invest in other creative opportunities and things you want to do. But before we get into all those cool things, I am really interested about the band thing. Like, we won't have to spend a ton of time, but, like, I'm a I'm a hack musician. I love to play and sing. I enjoy it. And, I, you know, I used to think that it would be the greatest thing in the world if people pay me to sing. And then I met people who did that for a living, like, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. But tell us about, like, What was the deal? How did that come about? What was it like? And why'd you get out?
2: Well, I never wanted to be a musician. I was, all I cared about was playing a few, you know, Counting Crows and Bob Dylan tunes. And I I got to college and there was a group of guys that we kind of got together. You know, your usual jam sessions on Friday and Saturday night. Well, I realized that, hey, instead of just jamming, we could play at the local bar and make some money. You know, I was a broke college kid. And so I, I kind of used that opportunity right there. We have a band. We have a set list. We're doing this already. Let's make some money off of it. Probably the entrepreneur side coming out. But so, so really it wasn't, we had no intentions of being artists. We had intentions of just being a jam band. And then, you know, time went on. It, it was, actually wasn't really that long. Within nine months to a year, we, we got a development deal and that's kind of where the band took off from there. We got on the road with some, some artists like uh, Counting Crows, and now that was later on, but we we've eventually got to those type of artists. Um, and you know, it was one of those things where I just kind of got thrown into it. I took the opportunity, kind of went with it, see where I could go um, as a musician. And uh, it just wasn't where my heart was. I liked making music. I liked the ability to make money from the music. But there was just not enough, there was too much downtime. There was too much out of my control. I wasn't able to really invest all of my time into something that other people were pushing. And of course, now things have changed. That's been uh, 20 plus years now. And now these artists are becoming digital warriors, putting their own stuff out. But it was completely different back then. It was a world where in order to get on the radio, you had to have a label, they had to pay X amount of dollars, you had to start your progress through the, the touring ranks, and then when enough money would be put towards a single, then hopefully it worked and, and you would move forward from there. And, and additionally, there was no iTunes when I started. Wow. So that, it's, the, whole, the whole business changed, but I actually went to school to, be, to become an attorney. That was the, okay. the whole idea is I wanted to get my degree and then get out get into
1: legal school, and, and who knows what I would have done from there, but that was the idea to get my law degree.: So did the band derail the, the pursuit of the law degree, or did you eventually go back and get that?
2: Uh, no, I, I never did. Um, the, I wouldn't say the band derailed it. I think the band and the process of it enlightened me to where I didn't feel like I really needed an additional degree to just create stuff. I didn't feel like I needed you know, a, a law degree to tell me, you know what, I, I, can, I can make assumptions based on this because I know the law. Well, I just read it and figure it out. I could read my own contracts because I had a little bit of background. And then from there, you know, I could make my own decisions. So yeah, I, I, I don't regret it at all. Um, I think continuing learning is great throughout life to challenge us. But in that part of my life, I realized that uh, it wasn't
1: about the law degree. It was about creating business. So with the band, uh, a couple of other questions on the band. So was, is the band something that we would know? Like, is it a, was it, did you guys have some notoriety that people, oh, okay, yeah, I would remember that band from the nineties. Uh,
2: well, it was called Westbound. And you know, again, that was kind of the beginning of YouTube right before iTunes. I think iTunes happened kind of right as we were, you know, starting, but you know, um, Maybe if you Google and go deep, I'm sure you could find some uh, some pretty, you know, exposing videos of us <laughs> in our year, early years, but uh, yeah, I, I'm sure it's out there somewhere if you dig hard enough, but uh, I haven't really gone back to look and say, hmm, I wonder how
1: bad that sounds. <laughs> so what do you play? What was your instrument?
2: Uh, I played with the band. I actually played mostly... Uh, keys, but uh, I, I was more of just a, the lead man, the front guy, a few songs I'd sit down for. I play guitar, a little bass, I'm a hack on the drums, uh, a little bit of everything. You know, you come to you know Nashville, Music City, and you say... You know, I don't, I don't really play much because, you know, these guys are
1: just so, so good. I know. Yeah. You can't throw a stick without hitting somebody <laughs> Plays, plays something. So I, I pretend I can kind of play. You know, so. <laughs> uh, you're probably much better than you're letting on. I mean, you know, Sony doesn't sign hacks. Well, I don't guess they're in the habit of doing it. Um, so now let's talk, kind of turn our attention to the, your, your entrepreneurial side kind of came out in the business of, of music. Did that kind of spark your interest in business or had you always really been an entrepreneur at heart? Oh, from the beginning.
2: I mean, I, I at I think 13, 14, I was rounded up in my neighborhood, to, I, I played tennis. I've been ended up playing college tennis. and that was kind of what led me to where I ended up finding these guys to be in a band. Uh, and with that said, uh, you know I started rounding up at 13 or 14 in the neighborhood, you know, kids that I could teach tennis lessons because I knew their parents had money. And they needed to get the kids out of house and I could be that opportunity to sell them tennis lessons, you know. And, and I was at that time just a terrible tennis player, but I could feed balls. could tell them how to, you know, from low to high on their backstrokes and, and the things that, that at least they would progress and have a good time. So, you know, I, I learned that at a very early age of, oh, I can, I can create any talents I have, I can create into dollar signs. Now, it wasn't all about dollars and cents, it was about building a business. And I thought, well, if I start this this in this neighborhood, then I can expand to a couple neighborhoods and I don't even have to teach anymore. And that's what I was doing by the time I was 16 or 17. I was teaching at a YMCA, I had another country club that I was teaching at. And then at all these little subdivisions, I think by the time I was 17, that were actually, I'd have clinics set up for each day and I wasn't even teaching at that point. I was just running them. And you were a teenager. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I think I think when I left to go off to college, uh, it was harder for me to leave because I was leaving so much money behind that uh, I think my parents were actually a little getting a little concerned that I might, you know, not go to college to play tennis because I could make more money at home running these clinics. But I mean, I had bigger aspirations. That was just, and you know, and, and I had other jobs. I I, I was teaching. Uh, I was actually I started stringing rackets for actually Vanderbilt. I, I grew up in Nashville. And I, I started just as a little extra side money, I started stringing rackets. And then I realized that, you know, what they were paying me, I could if I got a couple other people, I could teach them how to do it. And then for Christmas one year, my parents bought me a, a racket stringer and I, I was employing people stringing rackets. So it was one of those things where always it was in my DNA. I just couldn't stop until I had... Essentially taken, t- taken that
1: market and, and made something of it. So yeah. So the entrepreneur at at the young age thirteen, you got the tennis clinics going on, restringing rackets, go off to college, leave a lot of money on the table, um, and you you start pursuing this college degree in 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 law. So then you go into the, to the band, we talked about that story.
2: And, and once I got to college, um, I, I think that the time commitment from the tennis was, was a little bit overwhelming. I had never been at that place where I couldn't work. So I, I, tried, I tried to do as little, little things as I could to kind of stay afloat because, you know, college, broke college, tennis player. Now I'm playing in a band, we're playing on the weekends and stuff like that, trying to you know, get extra money to travel. Um, so then I kind of got into a vending machine business when I was in college. And from there, uh, I didn't find, actually lost money doing the business. <laughs> you um, It was both. a really bad, really bad deal. Uh, and then um, I think the really the turning point was right after I graduated college, it was, there wasn't a lot going on for me in college. It was focused on getting a degree, I actually earned two degrees while I was there, um, free education, why not, um, playing tennis, and I thought... I kind of, I didn't actually think the band thing was going to be where it was at. I thought, well, when I get out, I could be having a nice, cushy country club job, teaching tennis, did not work out. Got out of school. I was um, so broke that I actually lived in my bronco for about nine months trying to figure out what I was going to do next. I, I, I taught a little tennis uh, on the side, but... You know, that cushy job wasn't coming, and life was getting expensive. I actually worked for a little company called Snappy Auctions, and I would, like, list stuff. Yeah, the guy that doesn't use a computer. I would list <laughs> stuff and, and put them up. It was, like, eBay auctions and stuff like that. Still doing doing the band, but the band already at that point in time was fizzling. We, we weren't getting the gigs. We weren't getting played. We weren't
1: touring like we had been. Well, so that, I mean— I mean, I don't know that anybody that I know that's done that I would imagine a lot of the listeners are like, no, that's, that's pretty, pretty intriguing. But then you, you, your old entrepreneurial instincts from when you were a teenager building the tennis clinics come in, you're like, wait a minute, there's a, there's a business in here. So I don't have to just be the guy running this stuff. I got the context to make it happen. Is that is that why you started your own company? Yeah, and let me back up just a little bit uh, because
2: I, I want other entrepreneurs to always understand. You go through points in your life. I did, maybe not everybody, where ideas and that spirit doesn't always just bust out. You know, I went through a long, probably a year, year and a half, where I didn't, I didn't have the ideas. I didn't have the um, I had the motivation to get running, but it wasn't always, I wasn't always just thinking of the next thing right after the other, or in the middle of something, I decide there's something better to go. There was points in my life where even though I was an entrepreneur, even though I was always grinding away, sometimes it just kind of took time to evolve. So I always like entrepreneurs to know that like if you go through kind of a time in your life and you just, you're not jiving, you're not juicing, those ideas aren't flowing, it happens. It happens. And and I think that's what was happening with me before I got into this next stage of my life. I was just kinda lost, figuring out a new path, a new journey, and then this opportunity of just
1: resourcing through people I knew kind of came to fruition. So So that's a that's a really good point and I, I'm really glad you said that, Rod, because um, I, I think there's a mystique behind entrepreneurialism. You know, we look at the Elon Musks and the Jeff Bezos's of the world, and we feel like, oh, this, all the stars aligned, and that's why they became successful. Well, no, there, there are times when it doesn't work and that you don't feel it, and it's not, am I, am I doing the right thing? I, was, I watched a TikTok video last night about, it was a news article on 60 Minutes. It was a news show, 60 Minutes, where they were interviewing it wasn't Jeff Bezos, but it was somebody high up in Amazon, and they were talking about. It was in 1999. They had lost 125 million dollars that year, and they were. He was saying, "Your market cap is greater than Sears. How could that even be? I mean, Sears. It's Sears, after all." And the guy was talking about, "Well, you know, it's going to be different." So I think I think we have this mystique and this this mistaken understanding that entrepreneurship is, a to z like that when in yeah. fact there's a lot of letters in between and that was your experience too. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think that's, I, I think that, you know, we,
2: we talk, uh, I hear a lot of times when we have conversations about businesses, because I, I speak with businesses all the time just because I'm genuinely interested. I love to listen. That's another key point with entrepreneurs is sometimes we get ahead of ourselves and we, we want to be the big, big cat in the room. We want to have the, the biggest voice and say, look at this, but yet, the listening aspect is something that I, I learned through all of this, the, the good times and, the, and, the, and obviously the lows, listening and having some humility in others'
1: voices. That is, that, well, that's really very, very cool. So let me, so the Root of All Success podcast is kind of based on the premise that in my years as an entrepreneur, in my own journeys, casually interviewing other super successful entrepreneurs just because I want to learn. I've learned that there are five keys to success that appear in everybody's story, like every single one. So I want to kind of dive into those keys. But before before we kind of peel those layers back to see where they fit into Rod Lund's story, I want to ask you, what is your definition of success? Like how would you define it? Ooh, I I haven't
2: thought about my definition of success. Maybe that's why I should have done some notes on this. (laughs) This would have helped me to have a keyboard then. Uh, my definition of success, um, I, I think for me, most people would be um, to have people um, admire them, to have financial success, to have, um, um, you know, the journey is good. I think with me, it's about my... Success for me is freedom. And I think that comes from now money can bring you that freedom Um, power can bring you that freedom but for me it was about the opportunity to do do as i want from my financial uh, sacrifices or gains do whatever i want what i want and have the ability to disappear tomorrow or go start another business so i my success would would have to lie in um my definition
1: of success would be freedom. So with that as a backdrop, do you consider yourself to be successful?
2: Um, I, I see myself as a work in progress. I feel like that I've I've gotten pretty close to where I I wanted to be um, but you know you, the the price of success sometimes is you never, you always have something more. The reason I got out was not because of financial reasons or was a good time to get out. It was because I was getting... I wasn't bored, but I, I needed a new journey. But I knew unless I stopped completely, got out, had new perspective, that I would never do anything different in life,
1: and I needed that challenge. So... I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Well, I ask that of every guest, those two questions, what's your definition and then do you consider yourself? And it's it's interesting. Some people will immediately say yes, but then pull back and, and say very similar to what you did. And others, guests will say, well, I think that I, you know, I think kind of like the way you did it, but both are coming from the same spirit, which is what I find interesting is that both some are, are more immediately connected to the concept of success based on their definition of it. Others like you are like, well, yes, it's freedom and I'm, I'm working towards it. Where people on my side of the table looking at you would go, absolutely. But but our of success doesn't matter. Our, our, our The way we consider ourselves successful is more important than what other people think. Because, you know, you could drive whatever you want to drive, live wherever you want to live and still feel miserable. And that's not success. But other people go, dude, he's super successful. He drives a Aston Martin or he lives in a 10,000 square foot mansion. Well, that doesn't. Define success. Like the dictionary definition of it is success is when you achieve the results you intended. Like, so what are you intending in your life? If freedom for you is what you intended, based on our conversations leading up to this podcast, I would think that freedom is definitely where you're at. Like, you have the freedom to, I don't need to be online. I don't need to get on a computer. I don't need to you know, be on Instagram. You you have reached that spot. So in some instances, I would encourage you to say that not only would you be successful just by materialistic people looking at you going, yeah, he's got a lot of money. He's doing great, but you've achieved what you wanted, man. You, you, freedom was that thing. And I agree with you, by the way, one of my life's overarching goals is freedom of time, energy, and money. I want to be able to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, and not have to worry about what it costs because there are greater things I want to do in life. And I think you're probably right there too. So let me, let me ask you some questions specifically about the five P's. So, so these five P's, these five P's of success kind of starts with what I discovered in interviewing entrepreneurs just like you is that passion is the first key to everybody's success. And there's this, there's two sides of this concept of passion. i want to ask you about where those two sides play to your story, Rod. The one side of passion is what most people think about. It's the emotional state. I'm excited. Like I'm pretty sure there was a moment in the tennis business in high school you were excited about it. Um, and then in the business of, of the band, I'm excited about it, but that wanes, that goes away. Like you can, I hate this business. I mean, the, the, the the excitement, the emotional side of passion comes and goes, but it's the other side of the passion that I found that every time is always there and that is the mental state and the word passion actually means willing to suffer because if you go back and look at the passion of the christ as it was referred to it wasn't jesus was excited to go to the cross it was he was willing to do it because there was a bigger story there was a bigger plan so in your story of success through tennis and the band and where you're able to retire at 38 like where did those two pieces of passion come into your story or did they at all i, I would be interested to know
2: yeah i I, I will say this, Jason, I'm wired a little bit different. Um, I don't really get real high and real low. Um, I, I, I I couldn't tell you and I've got a lot of really good friends, but I guarantee you they know a lot more about I know a lot more about them than they do me because I've I'm just kinda even kill and and, and I, I look at as far as passion, yes, I mean I you have to You have to have some, you would never be successful in anything if you didn't have passion for or dedication for what you're doing. Right. Um, For for me, I think the, to touch on the passion thing, I think for me it was, it was, the passion was the learning part. Um, I think it was the understanding, getting really good at my craft. Um, Finding out ways to make that work for others. Um, being able to employ people so I, I think for me it was it was it was never and I always say my passion was never was never about making money like it that just never even clicked when I was younger it did I was like oh I can make this and not work you know and mm-hmm. but yeah so I don't know if I really answered your question about it but I, I think that just my personality alone I don't really get crazy excited I don't get really down it's just this is what I do. This is what I'm wired for. This is what I'm trying to achieve. And it was kind of, and another thing is with, with passion is a lot of people get up and down. So their, their businesses become volatile and there's not a steady growth. It's, it's all about like, it's got to get going now or you know, they need cash infusion or they need this or that. Mine was like, you know what? Three years, we're not really budgeting. But if we do this, this, and this, looking at the numbers, it's going to grow. So, you know, and and you know, I, I, again, I wasn't exactly answering your question, but I think it's just I'm wired a
1: little bit different with the passion bit. Yeah, and it doesn't uh, have to yeah. be that because that's that's why I say there's this emotional side. Yeah, that you're you're more. The emotions aren't the driver, no. but the willingness to suffer. Like there were probably times that really sucked and were scary, yeah. but you push through and you ultimately became successful because you were passionate to push through. use the word dedication, which is kind of what that means. Pushing through, willing to endure, willing to suffer. So there is there a story or two? You're like the business like sucked, and there was a there was a danger point in the business, Maybe not not life danger, but like there's a danger point in the business. But you push through, and ultimately you were able to sell the business. Well, I think that back to my experience
2: of living in my car for for a while,
1: I really, especially by year three,
2: I was saying, "Oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? How am I going to get myself out of it? And where do I go from here?" But I think that that time being having nothing
1: didn't make me worry about myself just more others (laughs) so well that i mean that that story illustrates the concept of willingness to suffer i mean you could living in the bronco have said all right this is dumb i'm gonna go teach tennis like you could have done a lot of things and, and maybe even at some point doubled down on music and gotten back into that because you had experienced success. But you pushed through, that passion pushed you through, and you ultimately became successful. So the second the second kind of layer to this is if you look at the five Ps, the first is passion. The second and the third kind of go together. I'm going to pull them together in your story because I've already heard a couple of pieces of this, is that Right place, right time, and knowing the right people, and it sounds to me like both of those are huge indicators and contributors to your success. So, right place, right time, and knowing the right people. How would you? How do you perceive those two things as it relates to your success? Well, I think real important to that concept is you always remember
2: the people on the that on the way up as you do on the way down, because that is when you treat people you come in contact I and mean, we we've, we've we've been in contact before we, we you, you know who I am I'm super chill I, I try to get up to learn everybody's name but I treat everybody everybody whether it's the cleaning lady to the you know, whoever owns the place I always make sure I treat them the same with, with the utmost respect and I think that that's part of it you know you, these these people when things collapse They'll remember that, and that's that's really the huge with it is making sure that you treat those on the bottom the same way because things fall, things happen, and you make sure that those when you circle back around, that those people you treated well, and and that has helped that has lent well for me as far as my business contacts. You know, when I had nothing, I was always nice to people, and I, I realized that. You know, someday I'll have more and I want, you know, those, those that, that I enjoy with their time to come, come work for me someday. Didn't always work out. But as I climbed the ladder and the people that I met that uh, didn't particularly like, I still treated them the same way. Because I thought, you know what, someday I might need a job from them. So I, I think that's part of it. I think that it was just treating people as I, as I would be treated And that kind of, for me, was the ultimate way to keep contacts and work well. And I was always able to resource through people well, go back to those contacts
1: because of how I did treat people. So, Well, I know that we don't know each other extremely well. But I would say that after hearing you say that, that that is my experience with you. Like knowing you through through the club here and, and interacting with you. I can see that you know, even, even as your reputation precedes you in terms of the success that you have achieved, it's like, okay, that dude is just like a normal dude. Like he treats everybody, he doesn't walk around like he's king of the place. So I, I appreciate that about, you. Know, I'm so glad you said it because I think a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this podcast will need to be reminded that you are no more special than everybody else out there. Your opinion is either equally invalid or as valid as anybody else's. And just because you've experienced success or not, doesn't make you any different like treat people with respect humility I mean that's where that's where that's where we we are in life Mm -hmm. is we look at where we
2: are in this country we look at where we are in this world and not enough people with humility we have got a lot of great business owners got a lot of great minds Mm -hmm. incredible entrepreneurs I mean we're we're on the precipice of so many I mean technological advances and things but I find that the humility is, is I, I, there's very few people that I, that I look up to now that are extremely successful because, and now, now in my smaller circle that are, that are a little less famous that I do have those people, but humility is hard to find. People that listen, yeah. people that understand, people that want to know what, what makes Jason who he is. You got to dig a little deeper. You got to, not be the voice in the room, but somebody that they can come to and talk to, somebody they can communicate with you, because it all comes back around.
1: Well, I appreciate you saying that. I think that's a that's a, the the softer side of success that we don't often talk about. And for somebody listening today, one of the greatest things I ever heard about humility was this: is that if you think you're humble, well, you're not. Like you've got to. <laughs> like, that's the that's right. So if you yeah. think you are, if if you are living and listening to this podcast, you're like, hey, yeah, I'm absolutely humble. I, well, wow, okay, well then you probably got some work to do. But I I, I think your point is the softer side of success about treating people with respect being humble you know knowing your place understanding where you're at in life i think that's and and coming for someone who's been as successful as you is even more important to hear that from so i appreciate you saying that so you got this passion side of willing to suffer you lived in your, your your bronco for a while that's the right place right time knowing the right people and then What I think a lot of entrepreneurs misunderstand about that right place, right time and right people is that they think that it magically happens. Well, it doesn't magically happen. You have to make it happen. And so your story just illustrates that you went above and beyond so that you were making connections that would later pay dividends. So the the fourth P is preparation. It's the know how to pull it off. So every entrepreneur I've ever, ever talked with had a know how to pull it off. You illustrated in your story, and I want you to tell. I, I want you to pick a cool story that, that people would find interesting. Uh,
2: as far as preparing, I mean, I so I'm am a guy that I, I don't sleep. I, I you know a, a good night for me is three to four hours. I'll go. I probably sleep 20 hours in a week. Uh, last night I didn't go to bed, uh, but I think about preparation. You know, me it was always it was always about outworking everybody, the grind. The, the so. Preparation came with that. I was, if, if I knew if I was going to meet at Princeton, Dubai on a tarmac, well, I, I need to make sure that I've got everything lined up. I need to make sure that, that we've actually discovered, you know, what we're there for, why we're there, make sure that security will be well. Of course, these things are already taken cover, but double check, triple check. And then, of course, you know, you, you need to listen to preparing is also listening to what your client wants, not what you want to sell, but what your client wants. So I think that goes through preparation. I mean, I I was always a guy that kind of had that done before I was always two, three steps ahead because I, I was I was a grinder um, and I was always thinking, OK, two or three steps ahead as far as preparation. So. Um, mine was not, I don't really have any stories where I was just, you know, <laughs> something just absolutely bizarre. I don't have that, but it was, it was always kind of that taking account where I was going, who I, I was going to be with, security aspects. Have we gotten exactly what the client really wanted, not what we thought they
1: needed? So, you know, diligence. To On the plan side, which is the fifth P plan, when I talk about planning, For success, I don't talk. I I talk about plan, not as a business plan, because you may or may. I don't know if you had a written business plan when you started your business. Most entrepreneurs I talk to don't, unless they're trying to get venture capital or something like that, or or bank financing. They they don't need a business plan. But what I mean by the word plan is that the you have the strategy to obtain and deploy the resources necessary to be successful. What plan did you have to obtain and deploy the resources necessary to launch your own? business where you had the millions of dollars worth of inventory to sell to other people? Well, I was kind of winging it at first, to be <laughs> we honest. We all were. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, really winging it. Uh, you know, I think that I did have a business plan. Uh, when I, when I went to raise capital, um, I had, uh, projections, I had uh, obviously contacts um, let people know where we would be stage one, stage two, stage three. So I did plan um, and, I, and and that was something that I was very, even though maybe my plans changed quite considerably, um, I did start off with a business plan, a business model. Now that mor- morphed into something different and that plans changed. I think it's good to adapt and change. Uh, don't be a dinosaur. But I started with a plan of of a ten-year plan, and we're going to raise the capital, um, the dividends that would be coming back from the inventory that we were able to purchase. Um, our business model was going to be based on lower, uh, obviously, going to be on the wholesale side. So we were, you know, lower margins, but move more inventory because there was an abundance of inventory. Um, let's let's change, you know, retail for so long had had encompassed these enormous markups and it is controlled generally by you know uh, to you know to the most degree the kind of same the same players that it's been for forever and they all kind of do business together they all kind of work together they're all kind of family almost and so breaking into that was probably the most challenging part of the plan but i knew if we if we were slim tight and kept our margins small enough that we could move enough inventory to where the plan would work. But we knew plan, the plan was going
1: to be year four. Um, hoped it would be year three. Didn't come till year five. But you, you had the business for what, 11 years, 10 years? Yeah. Oh, seven to 18. I got out. Yes. Yeah. So you sold in 18 and uh, retired. Like, so this was not just, I uh, sold the business because I've sold businesses in the past, but I'm still not, reti- I'm not retired. So like- can you tell us a little bit inside of how that transpired? I didn't actually sell the business. Okay. I just closed up shop.
2: And the reason, the reason why is I had, uh, I'm kind of a, a guy that after about 10 years, I get bored of things. Tennis, it's about 10 year cycle, bored. And I, and I had said from the beginning that my, when I wanted to get out I was about 17. Now we had some contracts. You mean twenty seventeen, not seventeen years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty seventeen. Yeah, uh, we had some contracts that I knew would, would be ending in eighteen, and I had a partner in one of the entities, uh, actually part of the distri- distribution arm of the business, and uh, I knew that a lot of those contracts that we developed that would, would would be things would be changing in eighteen. So that was kind of for me was. I don't have to necessarily, I can retire, keep my business and, you know, and do something else in life. And if I get bored, I can come back. I had so many opportunities to sell my business and it would have been, it would have been the best time. You know, obviously the, the economy was booming, business was great. And I had the, obviously the paperwork to say, look at what I've grown. But, but it wasn't about that for me. It was about, I started this. I'm going to start this and bury it. And if I ever want to come back to it, I know how to do it again. So, yeah, I I had, I mean, it was getting to where that offers were coming in left and right to buy me out. Because a lot of people knew that I was ready to move on. Um, That was there. I was making no bones about it at that point in time. But I just held on to my business in case I wanted to
1: do something else with it. So that's... Even more part of the intrigue and the mystery of Rod Long. Not, not, some, not, <laughs> not something people do. Normally people just cash
2: out and say, but, but my business is also different. My business is in the inventory. So if you own the inventory and you own it outright, you always have business you can come back to. Yeah. You always can come back into the market at any time.
1: You know, that's very interesting point that I want to, I want to kind of uh, piggyback a uh, comment on is that in, in my university, the online university I own called results university, one of the classes I teach the lessons I teach actually in the, the first course on the, the startup course for entrepreneurs is that there are three different ways to exit a business. And most people think there's only one, like you sell, you either, you know, either sell out or IPO, which is essentially the same thing. But there's this, there's a physical exit from a business, where you keep the business. That's what you did. You physically exited, but you kept it like financially. You're still involved, but then there's the financial exit, but a physical presence. So you sell it to another person, but you stay and run it, which to me is the worst. <laughs> and then there's the, then there's the IPO, right? So I, I want entrepreneurs to hear that is that this dude sitting across the table from me right here on this podcast is retired, but didn't sell the business physically. Like he still has it. He's physically not involved day to day, but you still have the financial rewards of all the things you built, and you can spool it back up again if you want.
2: Yeah, I, somebody asked me just actually recently about well, why didn't you sell off your business? I said, well, you've got to understand, my business is different than say if I owned a car lot. You have you know thousands of cars of inventory. Well, if you walk away, that car, those cars are going to depreciate. Those cars are going to not be worth a whole lot in a few years. you better sell your inventory or sell off your business, whatever. I mean there was no reason to sell off because essentially my, my business was about me and my connections anyway. And that inventory that I had stuffed away, the inventory that I owned, it's not going down in value. It's like it's like the stock market. Yeah, it might it's really not gonna hit many lows. But, you know, another thing is I, I said, well, I mean, what if I wanna reinvent myself? What if I decide Say the market goes crazy in four, or five, ten years. Sounds like a good time to come back, maybe even for a period of time. So I, I think it was one of those things where having the financial freedom to make those decisions. And I, I, had, I had been smart with my money and obviously my inventory and what I owned. But it, yeah, I think that was the financial freedom aspect. I didn't have to sell it.
1: Because I was smart with it. That's that's really cool. And I didn't own cars, so it wasn't depreciating. <laughs> well, if you had, uh, you know, entrepreneurs are listening to this podcast all over the world who uh, are in various stages. Some are entrepreneurs; they're still working for the man, so to speak, and they're trying to figure out how to uh, how to escape the nine to five, the rat race, and they want to start their own business. You got other people that are early startup, but they're not really sure what to, what to do. What would you what's your one or two pieces of advice to those guys what, or or ladies? What would you say to them? Uh, I would say, uh, be humble, uh,
2: be kind, caring to others as you move forward through your journeys. Um, listen, 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 listen. Read. Um, don't don't process things. Don't process things with people as opportunity. Process them as relationships. M- make sure that you know that guy that you want money from across the table know what his kids are, who his kids are, you know where they go to school, what they're interested in. Those things are, are deeper, you know, have deeper meaning for people. They connect with people. Go, go have a drink, but really have that drink not just to make a business deal, but have that drink to understand somebody across the table that's more successful for you, what makes them tick. So I, I think it's about listening, being patient. Don't get down. Outwork, outgrind people. Um, always, always be prepared. And, uh, and the last thing would be, if I hadn't already covered it, is read. I think it's a, it's a disservice to people these days. We all get, we sit on our phone, we sit on our laptops, and we, we just catch the highlights. Oh, so-and-so happened. And we never really dive into the story. We never dive into the people anymore. And when you learn to read and you understand knowledge and, and how key things, why we're here, whether it's whether you're talking about the history or the Constitution, whatever that is, read it, because it's a great conversation piece. But it's you're able to engage on a deeper level with people. So a lot of different things there, but I,
1: I would say listen and read are two two big things, and of course outwork your competition. So. I love it. I love it. So I, I love, and, 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 uh, I don't, I'm not in charge of naming these podcasts, but I would think that the editors who are listening to this are putting it together for some time later to, to release the softer side of success. Cause I think that's what you are representing. It's like, Hey man, you know, yeah, I worked hard. I put in the time, put in the effort, made the connections. I did what I needed to do, but man, it was people, or I was, I wanted to make sure that I treated people with respect and and again, I would say my, my experience with you, Rod, just knowing you casually through the club here, that, that in fact is who you are. It's not just lip service, you're really doing that. So I wanna give you the opportunity here before we close out, what are you doing now? Like you've retired, you, know, you're, you haven't had anything going on hot and heavy for the last couple of years. So what's keeping you busy or, or are you, what are you doing? So I, I, now I'm currently working on a platform.
2: Um, it's, it's a different endeavor for sure. Um, it, it's having to do with freedom-related activities. Uh, it's, um, it's something that where people like-minded can go. Um, still in the, in the process, it's, it's actfreenow.com. But it, essentially, it's, it's a platform that uh, people like-minded can go to. I think with we look at social media and the other avenues in life, and it seems like um, w- people are being silenced on what, whatever side you're on. And uh, I just want to make sure I build an infrastructure for people to have an opinion and uh, and have
1: uh, like-minded uh, conversations. Well, so it's actfreenow.com. Yeah. yeah. So go look that up. I think that's uh, for people listening, go look that up because I, I know a little bit about what's going on there, and I, I, like, I like what I'm seeing there, so I appreciate you doing that. Well, thank you for being here on the show today. It is an honor to get to hear your story and all the... Uh, the intrigue and the mystery kind of all make sense based on talking to you. And even though uh, you didn't fill out the forms and get on laptop before that, it worked out, right? <laughs> it did. We can make it. So now I can, t- I can honestly tell you, man, I was freaked out. It's like, Oh my gosh, I don't know how, like, how's this going to go? But, Dude, this was, this was fantastic. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Very much. Thank you. So there you have it, folks. That's uh, the root of all success for today with, uh, with Rod Lunn, going from tennis stringing and tennis doing tennis rackets and tennis lessons in high school, uh, going to law school, getting a band going, signed by Sony, to starting his own business. And then what I think is most interesting here is that it didn't sell it. Like, figured out a way to let the business continue to support him without cashing out to somebody else. Uh, because he's got more important things that he wants to do with his life. And now he's working on actfree, actfreenow.com. So go check that out. Now, I would say this as we finish off the podcast, especially to those of you that are sitting on your computer listening to this or watching this on YouTube, is go to the5psofsuccess.com. That's the five, the number five, the five P's of success, the letter P, just like we talked about passion and place and people and preparation and plan. If you want to know what your probability of success is as an entrepreneur, like, wouldn't you like to know how successful you could be or what's the probability because I really do believe that it comes down to those probabilities so I've created this assessment called the five P's of success assessment that is 17 questions you go through and answer the questions and the report will be personalized to you and say look based on the way you answer these questions your probability of success is X Y or Z and it gives you some direction on how you could take that to the next level and of course if you're interested in that it's completely free at the five P's of of success.com. You can also see that on my website at therealjasonduncan.com success. Either place will get you there. You can take that assessment again, completely free. Just go check it out. If you haven't followed me on Instagram or LinkedIn, I'm at therealjasonduncan and uh, what's your Instagram handle, Ron? Rod, like yeah, we don't have that one. (laughs) So if you want to connect with Rod, you're going to have to connect through me. So just reach out to me and uh, we'll make sure something uh, something happens. But go to actfreenow.com to check out more about what Rod's got going on. So thank you for being here. Next week, we're going to talk with another very successful entrepreneur about his role and what he did to get to success. Until then, remember, Jesus is King.
0: Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success.